We're back again. The number one podcast to ever exist, and unfortunately, the last one to ever exist. Wow, we finally made it. Yep, episode number five. I never thought we'd be here. Um, And some say we still aren't here. (laughs) I'm certainly not entirely here. It's so hot. Uh, But regardless, I'm maintaining and keeping my video card going really hot and running a game that I probably shouldn't be. Uh, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption recently, uh, the second one, and it kind of blows. Hold on. Before we get into that, yeah, we should introduce our guest here, uh, Jackson. Uh, Hello. Who the fuck are you? Uh, Within the context of this environment, I think just a stranger, Streamo knows. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, just some guy. Yeah. Uh, Frankly, I'm curious to hear more about, yeah, true enough, uh, who isn't, at the end of the day, just some guy. Um, uh, I think you may have read a few of his backlog reviews uh, if you've been around the block. Uh, I think writing there under Wojinator is just none. I think, yeah, none. Uh, can you search people on backlog? Can I actually do don't think you can, but I can go to my friends list and find it. Alright, I'll go to your friends list and. Okay. Alright. Oh, wait, am I blind? This is good. Right. This, this is good makes content. For really good yeah. radio. Good radio, yeah. hell yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, keep it going. Right, oh yeah, so I, I see here uh, the game I'm most unfamiliar with in your favorite games is uh, Kentucky Route Zero. Oh yes. Well, uh, it is astoundingly good. <laughs> I don't know how to necessarily <laughs> sort of expand on that other than saying as much. Uh, it's a game of poetry simulation, I guess you could call it some kind of like magical realist vision of so I think actually on the first episode I might have made fun of someone writing a review of it uh, yeah because it came off as very pretentious and uh it was no it was just really sincere and we don't you know it was very sincere yeah I kind of wimped out of making fun of it halfway through (laughs) (laughs) it felt felt kind of mean it did (laughs) yeah Kentucky Return I mean the game has been in like development for like six years right it's uh it had been in development for i think around a decade and it was released you know successively over that decade but frankly i think you guys are right to kind of lambast and poke fun at anyone attempting any kind of serious or sincere approach to these sorts of things i think games as a medium are probably best suited for kind of juvenile perceptions of the world uh, they only kind of half articulate an understanding, and that understanding is just by design limited because these are simulations that are sort of tracking false contours. <laughs> I, I just think that I, uh, to put this that another way, maybe I, I'm just not smart enough to keep up with shit while I'm playing a video game like that. Uh, I kind of just want mindless pleasures, right? Just running around doing shit. Uh, but, but oh, I, I guess yeah, that's kind of a. Yeah myself in limited scope. I don't know if that's entirely what you were saying. No, no, you know what? You n- Not you, I just think games generally as an as a form of uh, expression. Um. <laughs> I, I have uh, actually a question further about your backlog here. Uh, you gave half a star to a short hike. Yeah, that's fucked up. Is that oh, sincere? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought the message that game was trying to convey a kind of... Uh, 
boldly uh, insincere perception of the world was, uh, you know, sort of offensive. <laughs> oh, God, I don't, I don't know. I can't. I can't tell if this is real or not. I, it just—it was. I thought it was fun to like fire out, you know. It took me a year to figure if streamers takes were real or not, and now you're doing the exact same thing. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this, dude. Uh, you, you called a, a latent bitter disgrace hiding underneath a veneer <laughs> of saccharine optimism. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it was you know as you described it sort of mellowly fun, sort of pronounced air quotes around that word, um, but at the end of the game, you are, you know, a bird who leaves chemtrails around what is otherwise a quite beautiful island. I think that's a really kind of foul message at the height of <laughs> the experience. You just, you know. So kind of going off of that, I'm curious for your thoughts about um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I haven't played in a while. But oh, so the thing about that game is that you have this ability to travel to different islands and kind of scour them for resources, chop down all their trees and steal all their like native flowers and just kind of leave them barren and never come back. Uh, I, I found that pretty distasteful. I think you're definitely onto something. Uh, this is this is an actual take. I, I found that game to be like a malicious waste of time. It was perhaps one of the most egregious things I think Nintendo has ever done. I find a lot of their work really life-affirming, but there was something about New Horizons that really leaned into like a hate of the world um, as it is that I, I, I really don't abide by. The idea, I, I think the game was designed to like give players control, um, but what was so historically fascinating about Animal Crossing was that you kind of relinquished control and existed in you know, this small world that was a simulation of a world that you really didn't have much, you know, agency in. It was about kind of, like, experiencing the passage of time in a way that was not... I mean, I just... Yeah, I... <laughs> actually think you're onto something. I think Animal Crossing New Horizons was not... was not kind to humans. <laughs> or animals. I, it's sort of, like, disrespectful, right? Um... So, yeah, I mean, it, its treatment of space as this thing that's, like, endlessly mutable. If if only you have, like, the money to kind of inject, inject into uh, into your surroundings, I think was, you know... I think it's presented as this, like, constructive way of viewing the world. Like, oh, I, as a player, can build... I, I don't know how funny this is. I actually just genuinely <laughs> believe this. <laughs> that, that game is, like... like not no, we, we, where we where we tread is where the irony accidentally becomes sincere, and that's <laughs> you know, it's a dangerous place. That's the way to go. No, I you know I kind of felt that way about Stardew Valley more so than New Horizons. Uh, like New Horizons still had at least uh, maybe a thin veneer at least of uh you know that overtime based gameplay. You know where like you tried to you know fix your island up, grow flowers and shit like that, but. Stardew Valley, I feel like, is like crack. Like you just keep going. The the, the day never. There, there's never a moment to take a break because the day and night cycle keeps ticking. You just have to keep playing and fucking taking care of your crops. It's dystopian in a way, definitely. <laughs> is the premise of that game too that you like leave a hyper industrial society and all that you do end up doing is bringing like hyper industrialization to this farming yeah, community? Yeah, just labor. 
Yeah. Well, no, because like you you put this like Joja Mart like obviously like a Walmart type place out of business, and you just kind of live in this little idyllic mountain town and like work all day long and kind of just make money. Uh, and give people gifts. Yeah, I guess you can get so married to you. people. Yeah, that yeah. that part weirded me out. I never really got into that. Yeah, I, I stopped playing Starview because um, it it stressed me out how I felt like sometimes I wasn't I wasn't doing the most with my time, and that made me feel bad. And then I got a mod where it took away the time, and and then I got bored and stopped playing. I mean, yeah, your complaint there is one that points to this idea that <laughs> if you're not hyper optimized, you're doing it wrong. Which seems yeah. yes. completely antithetical to the point. Totally is. Right. Yeah. 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 Is it but the game sort of encourages it because um, it, it gives you like this this feeling. I don't know if it's true or not, but it gives you this feeling like you only have a certain amount of time to get rid of JoJo Mart, or all your friends are going to become <laughs> capitalists, and that's going to be awful. But maybe I'm just wrong. No. Does it like have? Does it have like a? Um, does it have a revolutionary tone to it? In that no. Way? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Because, well, video games aren't about politics, right? And that's why we don't. I did think it was weird how, like, that one oh, chick God. you could only marry if you give her the like Mao Zedong book. Yeah, the sure. George Bush stuff was kind of weird too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, it was cool that they had that George Bush weed farm, right? That was. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but no. Uh, so, do we have any listener mail this week? Not really. Uh, oh. It's a little too early. It's a little too early in the show for listener mail, anyway. I, I have some more things on on your on your backlog here, Jackson. I want to discuss with you. Please. Um. <clears throat> so, do you really like Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, five out of the five stars? Can I just uh, interject for a second? Uh, the title is Metal Gear Solid V. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it really I, five out of five stars? Yeah, I genuinely believe it's one of the best video games ever made. Do, do you buy into the theory that Kojima left the game half finished because it's the Phantom Pain? And oh, I, I helped. I helped. The part that isn't there. Absolutely, I help. I helped articulate that theory. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> was this yeah, on are, the? Did you did you were you active on the Never Be Game Over subreddit? I absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Hold on. So you can explain it actually. Yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me the lore. I need this. Uh, the the Never Be Game Over subreddit was a community of people who scoured the files of uh, Metal Gear Solid to be the Phantom Pain and uh, Ground Zeroes. Uh, for information or clues or the hints of an ARG because people were so schizophrenically invested in there being more to this video game that they, you know, psychotically trawled through uh, machine code to see if something was hidden. And actually, a couple of things were hidden within the game files. Not enough to kind of warrant the um, loss of, you know, time on this earth which people inevitably experience but there was a uh, th there were machine files for like uh, an MSX game like uh, it's, I forget what the game is called like Portopia or something is like the Portopia like, mystery or 
something to that effect. I think they were early... like MSX files for game for uh, Metal Gear Solid. For sorry, for Metal Gear, Metal Gear Two. Is that true as well? Oh, there we go. Yeah. So people went through, th- uh, and apparently that that those game files synced up within like the game space and what people perceived to be like an interesting way, or like because there had been an MSX within some of the cutscenes at the end of the game that there might be some kind of sort of extended meaning to this. And I, I think there is probably, um, but again, to to kind of validate whatever they were doing on. Uh, Never be game over is uh, a little bit too sincere, I would think. A little dangerous. So the the origin of Never Be Game Over obviously is in Metal Gear Solid V: The Phantom Pain. You encounter uh, these child soldiers, uh, one of which I believe is the young Liquid Snake. Is that right? I... Yeah, that is. That's yeah. Cool. Yes. So the young Liquid Snake, and he is wearing an army jacket that has Never Be Game Over written on. Uh, in a way that, you know, was kind of cool and stylish. Uh, so I think that kind of popped off. Oh, uh, yeah, the phrase itself has this kind of poetic double meaning, right? Because it's liquid is always kind of attempting to persist in the face of his genetic inferiority, or his perceived genetic inferiority. But then it's also, like, outside of the context of the video game, to never be game over is to kind of maintain this sense that there is some... Uh, you know, sense of play, so to speak, persisting in the real world, or within a realer world, which is to say, again, the machine code, or the code itself of um, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid V, the Phantom Pain. Sure. I, I think what's crazy to me is, like, I, the past couple of days, actually, I've been thinking about Metal Gear Solid V, and, like, the insane things that happen in it, and just, like, the, there's metal art. Archaea, there's Sahelanthropus. Uh, isn't there? There's another weird word for the vocal cord bacteria, right? Wolbachia. Uh, what? The Wolbachia. What? <laughs> yes. The, yeah. It's like bacteria. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Respond to phonemes or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the premise of the game is so. I honestly think Metal Gear Solid Five and Kentucky Route Zero have a lot in common with one another. I think they address uh, contemporary issues of like decay, um, but where Metal Gear Solid tries to approach it from the perspective of like, well, that particular game attempts to approach the decay of culture through um, media. Kentucky uh, <laughs> Route Zero makes an effort to approach that, uh, you know, theme of decay through like infrastructural collapse. Well, so, um, what is the gameplay in Kentucky Route Zero again? It's like you—is it just a visual novel? Uh, it is basically a visual novel. Yeah, right. it's that. But there's like all, there's really almost no. There's not really any like causality. You know, it's not like you're like choosing what feels most poetically appropriate to you it's basically just dialogue trees all the way down and like theatrical vignettes to accompany those but it's very good <laughs> you know I played a game that you might like if you were a fan of that it's called uh, Dear Esther <laughs> 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 you know the, the, uh, 
here, here's an interesting take. The writing in that game is not terrible. Um, it, it is kind of overwrought, and it being overwrought would not necessarily be terrible in another context, but it is completely incoherent as a video game. I don't like how I don't like how slow you move in into your Esther. I think you move too slow, and that's why I stopped playing it after 15 minutes because I had to walk somewhere, and I was like, "This is taking a long time." Yeah, I do kind of agree that's with that. I think I think you're right in the sense that that game lacked um, like bullet hell mechanics and any sense yeah. of like kind of progression. I mean, and even just like you know incremental. Like, give me a cookie clicker knockoff I can play while I'm holding W, and I think I would have liked it a lot more. <laughs> I think those games exist. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what like, Diablo is, right? It's, it's just, like, you hold the button and the numbers. I kind of I'm true, proud yeah. to say that I've never played a Diablo game. There, yeah, me neither. Um, I guess technically, I think I played a few levels of Legend of Grimrock 2. Does that count as not, played No, that's that's a dungeon crawler. That, that, that has like mechanics outside of numbers go up. So. so you're telling me Diablo is not a dungeon crawler? No, it's an ARPG. <laughs> Interesting. It's a, yeah. It's, uh, so Diablo is about like holding down right click. Um, and I think to, to reuse an expression, Dungeons of Grimstone. Is about selecting the right menu option, so it's it's sort of different there. That's oh, so like a Pokemon game. Yeah, it's a lot like Pokemon. Oh man, I it, it's so insane to me that people in the current year are going to purchase Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I'm thinking and, about it. Like, be disappointed with it. Okay, so but like <laughs> as a child, right? I liked Diamond and Pearl, so now as a nearly 27 year old adult man <clears throat> I should still continue to like those games right well the thing is you shouldn't have liked them as a child in the first place uh, well, you should have liked the first three generations like a correct I like those too I liked all of them four had really astounding music or well diamond and pearl you know fourth generation I uh, I could never get you know, into it I, I feel part? like at the like later generations of Pokemon just it was over orchestrated and sounded too like too much. Have the the snow. You could travel through the snow mountains, and I remember that. And the frame rate was really bad, and I remember <laughs> that too. And that was yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah, they definitely do have low frame uh, frame rates, which is cool because they you know choose which console they get to develop on exclusively. So it's not really like. <laughs> they, 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 are so those, wait, are the remakes going to be a Switch game? How's that? How is that going to work? Are they not? What is the idea, yeah, right? Yeah. What, do you huh. think they're going to be on 3DS? Okay. The, I don't know. The... I guess it never really, I never processed it. It would be on Switch. They, I mean, they have to make it so much better if it's going to be on Switch, right? They have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be on, you know what I mean? It's going to be on, like, on a console. On a real console. Yeah, because they in, wouldn't in release a mainline Pokemon console game that had horrible FPS. And, you know, like yeah. That shit. Well, this doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks... I don't know, yeah, I, I didn't like those Pokemon games to begin with, so... But uh, speaking like, of good music and uh, chiptune music, uh, I think Omori has a pretty great soundtrack. Uh, I, I recall that you made an Omori review on Backlog that popped a little bit, Jackson. 
at least got a couple people angry. Uh, it did, I guess, get some folks a little upset. I think the complaints I made about that game were totally valid, but um, people seem to disagree. The music was actually quite good, though. It did, despite the fact that it was, you know, just ape from the lo-fi hip-hop and chill genre of music, <laughs> you know. Also, several tracks were just directly stolen from you, Nikki, uh, which is fine, I guess. Hey, we're all Amori haters here. You can say it if you want to, dude. It's, yeah. You can just call it as it is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It just probably could have been a lot better, but it's okay. It, it is what it is, which is... Did you, you didn't mediocre. finish it, right? You, like, got, got decent, no. like, a couple hours in? I didn't finish it. It was very dull, but I like I know what happens, and I was not yeah. enormously impressed by. I couldn't. I, I, I quit at the. There is like this extremely annoying character. <laughs> I, you must know what I'm talking about if you played it because it's like sweetheart, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's funny. Like, uh, I think our we discussed this maybe even on an earlier episode that like, I think there are two kinds of people, and it's like people who think. Sweetheart is funny, and people who think that she's really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a genetic difference. <laughs> it's something like yeah, it's like cilantro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, no, but I can understand why someone would like cilantro because I I can process it would be a different taste in their mouths, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't understand how you could like. It's it's just a waste so much time, and I don't understand how you could be like, yeah, this is good. I like this. Yeah, I I just think too, it's such a traveled genre, right? So if you're gonna come out with yeah. it, you gotta do something that's really great. Like Undertale. You gotta be better than Lisa. You gotta, you gotta be gotta better be. than Lisa. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, not that difficult. It's not. It's not that hard. <laughs> You know, just like make the make the game fun to play, and then I can. Ign- I mean, I ignored the writing anyway because it was bad. But then, if you make the game fun to play, I can deal with that um, <laughs> because I am simple-minded. But if even the simple-minded person, such as myself, couldn't like the gameplay, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, I, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption Two. I, I think I mentioned earlier. And, speaking uh, of simple-minded. Things. Speaking of well, that's the thing. Like it, it's, I really just want to get into the simple-minded, basic gameplay of it, of like walking through the forest and like hunting shit, or whatever. Yeah, you think that you think you right. can do that, and then but, there's lists. It's just like there's so many stupid cutscenes, and like they're jerking themselves off about how amazing the writing is. I, I, the first, the name of the first chapter is so pretentious. Hold on. Uh, and the thing is, it, it reminds me quite a lot of Death Stranding. Uh, yeah. Mostly in the world design, right? Like, um, how, how do you mean? Do you mean? Big, big and empty? No, I, I mean, it's like, it's primarily that you're traversing this world filled with, like, lush vegetation and, you know, like, whatever. It's sort of well designed and there's some evidence that there are other people here and sometimes you have to run from people. It's a, it's a world that's populated and alive, at least ostensibly, but the world in Death Stranding is so much more meaningful to go through. It, you actually feel like you're doing something, whereas in, in Red Dead, it really does kind of feel like you're always just going to the place to do something. Yeah. I mean, the, the world exists 
in, in Red Dead Redemption 2, I think, one, to have, like, random encounters happen, um, and two, so you can get to a place where something else is happening. Oh, here we go, here we go. The the name of the second, I don't know, scene of the first chapter of the game is called Enter Pursued by a Memory. Like, fuck off, dude. You're, you, it's not a stage play, right? Like... It would have been cool if they made it like a stage play, though. I, honestly, like the, make it kind of surreal. That would have been that would have been cool. Like the main like way myth. I've been able to like stomach the cutscenes is by just kind of projecting that everyone in it is gay because it does kind of <laughs> read like that. Like yeah. so many of the cutscenes are just like, "I was so alone until I found you, Dutch," and then now the nights aren't so cold. Like literally, that people say shit like that, and uh, you know it's because I guess they're supposed to be cowboys or whatever. But uh, yeah. Wait, that's a game about cowboys? Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, is that what they are? I, yeah. Well, they're right? outlaws. They're not they're like cowboys. Outlaw. But they're, you know, Wild West guys. Yeah, but they're not, they're not cowboys. I mean, they're not cowboys. I guess I never really thought about it as cowboys, but I guess... Well, they're not. What else would they be, right? They're outlaws. They're not... They're, they're Cowboys are like... That's, that's, a, that's a job. That's a profession people have. You know, you work with cows. Okay, when people say Cowboy. cowboys and Indians, though, they're not talking about, like... Well, yeah, I mean, profession. listen, that, that sounds political, so I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> Honestly, okay, uh, that's the other thing about this Red Dead Redemption 2 game, is that uh, they make reference to all of these things that kind of characterize the idea of the Old West, these, like, random bombers. Uh, the, they drop the word Pinkertons a few times. Uh, these people mm -hmm. are outlaws. Uh, all of these things are actually, you know, explicitly political things that happened. Uh, they were, you know, labor movement and organizations and struggles uh, of, like, people who worked in mines and just kind of died against the, you know, people who owned the mines and shit like that. And, and I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure that's all just going to be completely glossed over in favor of, like, well, I may have killed all those people, but dang, I gotta save you, you know, like that kind of dumb shit. Yeah, well, I guess like the, the takeaway is like they're Pinkertons, so it's okay if you kill them. I think that's that's well, as far as it goes. Uh, redacted, right? I, I'm not necessarily going to address that, but uh, no, I mean it's like they they talk about Pinkertons, but they don't really talk about what Pinkertons are. Yeah, uh, which is a very interesting topic that we you know need not necessarily get into here, but I mean, yeah, I guess the thing that Red Dead Redemption Two is really missing is like a Trail of Tears scene. <laughs> I, I trust Rockstar to handle that maturely and sensitively. The thing is, actually, if you go into the uh, game files, it's like it's titled "Modern Warfare 2 Airplane <laughs> Slash Trail of Tears Mission." I don't really know what the what be. Oh. yeah. I mean, I tried to play Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, yeah. I think I played for like twenty hours, and then I realized like I, all I was doing was unlocking more checklists. Sure. Um, and that really, really gave me an existential crisis, and I had to stop playing the game. That's it's, actually it's just too much. Why I had to stop playing Pokemon games more or less. Yeah, but I mean, Pokemon games, I can resign myself to like never catching them all. But you, you put a checklist in front of me, brother. No, I gotta, I gotta do it. Well, no, but it's not. Even, it's like you, the checklist is get through this battle by picking all the right menu options, right? And then you do yeah. that. But yeah. Uh, what games don't? What doesn't boil down to like a series of checklists? So. 
<laughs> no, but it's still like apparent though. It's like there's literal checklists, um, and there's like so many. There's so much capital C content in that game, and, yeah, and I feel like I had to experience it all, or else I wasn't. Oh, okay. I, wasn't I thought by capital C content, I thought you meant like when you know there are these great cinematic cutscenes of the you know your game traveling through the storm or whatever. Yeah, was that a cutscene? I thought I played through that. I thought I held. I thought I held it forward on the left stick. Maybe you held. Well, I think actually no, because in Rockstar games, the way that you move is by tapping A. Do you tap A in Red Dead Redemption? I don't remember. Yeah, like to to make your horse go fast, I think you have to tap. That's awful. It's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know. Why did you do that? It's crazy. Well, if they just made it like Death Stranding, (laughs) literally, yes, it would have been so much better. (laughs) So we should port Red Dead Redemption 2 to Death Stranding. Someone should. Then it could still have nonsensical cutscenes, but it'd be cooler because it's good. <laughs> uh, Jackson, have you watched very many uh, Christopher Nolan films? Uh, I think I saw the Batman movies. Okay. Okay. So I, I have a theory that Nolan and Kojima kind of share a brain, at least to a certain degree. Because uh, like both of them have a, uh, sorry, like in a vat, are they like plugged into some like, <laughs> or just, or like the technical specs of a shared brain? I, I think it's just that you know they maybe their their brains are identical in certain ways. Okay. Uh, they both just have this penchant for things that are overly complicated in ways that don't really make sense, but don't really need to because uh, it, it kind of rocks. Uh, I, I saw that a lot in uh, the recent Tenet movie, which I, I thought was amazing. Uh, but also, you know, in Death Stranding, uh, there are tons of cutscenes where just weird nonsense happens. So, uh, kind of into it. Huh. I kind of like the weird nonsense, though. I, I, I think there's... Dinner, dinner. Talk, 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 talk. This is a part where we just make noises into the microphone. Does this happen? I actually, I, I, I'm curious because, like, operating over, you guys aren't in the same space, right? No, no, God, no. Well, so I, I feel like dead air is less prone to occur when people are kind of like viewing other people's like physical cues. So I'm curious, like, does this happen a lot? Yeah, I, I mean, like we try like to keep it, uh, as well. keep it going. I'm still reading backlog review, so I'm I'm sort of half paying attention to it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I kind of gave up on that because I figured I wouldn't be able to find anything interesting. Uh, oh, I'm gonna find one, brother. I'm oh, the other also the other route is to check on the backlog Discord, where they uh, you know people will post their own reviews, and then you can kind of make fun of them not only for writing a bad review but for being proud of the bad review that they wrote. <laughs> Why does backlog exist? Like who, who's Put that together. Who put it together? I, What's the impetus behind it? Like, who genuinely thought that was something that? Because I don't get the impression that uh, it brings in an enormous audience. I don't think there are new users regularly. Uh, it seems so like it's as, a very well. Yes. As I understand it, it's like one guy kind of runs it. Uh, I think there was a Kickstarter for it at some point, and I think it literally is just letterbox for video games right like yeah i mean like gamers like lists right so if you make a make a website where gamers can put their their 
things into lists and then put numbers next to them they're gonna like that i mean it just it just sells especially because on a certain level it becomes a, a dick measure contest right where uh, absolutely yeah you know or you know i don't know uh whatever yeah uh you haven't played Dr. Crumble's Ghost to Shit Creek? <laughs> alright, dude, don't talk to me about Omori. I'm just pissed because it doesn't have, like, it doesn't have all the hits on it. You know, I've tried looking up some old Flash games and there are in the uh, database. In particular, uh, there's an Adult Swim game that came out around the time Farmville was popular that was called, I believe, Hemp Tycoon. Uh, yeah. And it was where you would, it was just like Farmville, but instead of other plants, they were all just called weed. Different kinds of <laughs> And uh, it was a lot of fun. And it's not on backlog as far as I know. You could, like, message the moderators and um, they'll add it. Have you been playing anything beside Red Dead Redemption 2, or is that, I mean, is uh, that, do, you, do you like it, or is that, I don't know. I play it here and there. I actually also played a little bit of uh, Golf Story. Some more of that, yeah. Yeah, which I, you know, I really did think was in a blow uh, because people are like talking about how it's a, I don't know, like emotional RPG or something like that. But no, really, it's just golf. You just get to golf. It's pretty nice. Uh, fucking shooting the ball, trying to get it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, in the hole, right? It's not somewhere. You, you, I think you know where you're. Well, it, sometimes, like, you have to hit arbitrary targets, you know, to satisfy whatever game challenges. Uh, other times you're actually throwing, like they, they throw in some disc golf, which I'm actually not a huge fan of. Uh, like in real life or in the game? Yes, uh, because, like both, actually. Uh, mostly in real life only because of the game. I thought it was just going to be, uh, you know, ball golf, but said it was had some disc golf. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Because if you try the disc golf in Connecticut, the, uh, the disc will, like, melt in your hand, <laughs> so you can't really... Connecticut is the hottest state in the union. I, I yeah. think that we all know that to be true. Uh, you can't really play down there. Yes. Uh, it sounds like it's getting apocalyptic over there. Is it? Is it so? Like how? How hot is it? I mean, right now it's not even. It's uh, eighty-seven where I'm sitting. But it's the humidity. You know, it's not. Mm. <clears throat> it's that's, that's, that's what, that's what melts so, the plastic. I noticed at, at one point, Farm, that you said that we yeah. kind of don't have listener mail. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, we have we have one piece of listener mail from last okay. week, and I, I responded to it. Um, but I, I guess I could read it out here. It's sort of a sort of a, a meta piece of listener mail. Okay. Um, I don't know how to say this person's name. Uh, I guess it might be French or something, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> Uh, and this person says, Hello, Last Video Game Podcast. Avid listener of the podcast here. I'm writing to you today to do to voice some concerns I had about uh, the titling and descriptions of your recent episodes. I found Okay, I think actually we don't really need to uh, go into this one. It's probably... I found your podcast on Spotify and decided to give it a listen. I was quite confused that the titles of episodes 2 and 3 were switched. I did not understand why you chose to do this, and it upset me to a great deal. I also didn't enjoy how your guest on episode one kept talking about, quote, Fox main privileges. I don't really know what that means. Oh, I don't know what that is, is what the, they said. I, the one I said, I don't know. Could you perhaps explain it in the next episode? Um, and that's it. Uh, no. Is, it, uh, is this real? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you you you're not like you didn't write that. I didn't yourself? no, I didn't write that. Okay. We have a, a huge um, following here. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big show, so yeah. it's not. Um, yeah, so I'll know, Strumo, do you want to, like, go into, uh, I mean, I know you, you do all the titles except for the ones that I do, so. Right. If you want to maybe explain, um. Yeah, so I'm actually titling. happy to address this. Uh, I'm glad that you asked a question, and if you have yeah. any further ones, you can definitely send them to the, uh, listener email at lastpodcast well, at gmail.com, and we will Sort of right not what I said in the reply email, but, um, I, I guess. I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I was kind of hoping you would, you know, throw something in to follow up from that. But. No, I mean, that's sort of the exact opposite of what I said to this person. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, actually, don't don't write in with, with dumbass complaints like this, all right? Or there's going to be issues. Oh, okay. Well, because the thing is, I don't even, I don't have to read these things. So, I, yeah. I, could, I could give a shit, you know? Uh, yeah, but also, please send in more emails. Yes. Yeah, we need more content. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so why were the titles, quote unquote, switched? I mean, I don't, I don't think we switched them, but. I mean, again, I, I really do appreciate the question, and if if you have any further ones, uh, please just send them right along to lastvideogamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at uh, vgpodcamp, Right. That's yep. it. Yep. Yep. That's that's the handle. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you subscribe to the Patreon too. Um, we answer questions on there. Uh, we do, and uh, if you want a link to the Patreon, you have to subscribe at at least what is it, the uh, the five dollar tier. Five dollar tier. tier to yeah. get the link to the Patreon. Uh, and do you want to address the the Fox main privileges um, privileges thing? I don't, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that means either. That sounds like some kind of degenerate uh, Smash player nonsense. Wait, no, that's really. I kind of like that. That's kind of a good joke. I feel like that's pretty funny, actually. Uh, are, are you familiar? Somebody uh, in the Smash community once came up with the gamer tag of uh, "blue eyes, white privilege," which is just. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is political. We can't talk about this. Yeah, that's right. Actually, we can't. We can't say. I'm gonna have to bleep that out. Uh, did you, by the way, Jackson, get a chance to watch the uh, Evidence Zip Part Two? Oh, you play Melee. Uh, oh wait, that was a, that was like a watchable thing. Uh, I read some Ooh. of it. It's not really watchable, no. No, it's not. I, I thought it was like a. I thought it was a series of documents. So he released a 136-page PDF as well as a two and a half hour video. It's a fucking uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. I didn't. Oh wow. I'll, yeah, I'll send that to you. I guess after this, uh, it's a uh, it's a trip and a half. It's honestly uh, since then that situation has not developed any kind of comedy further. Yeah, it's really it's actually not sad. funny at all. No, it really is no. Not, it's kind of yeah. sad at this point. So, uh, wait, 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 I, I, I it's just kind of banned, uh, and yeah. he's kind of in denial about it. Uh, it's not a, not a good look for anyone. No. Really. <laughs> is, is his. So he, he's a principled man, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I guess he, he believes what he believes. My, my question is, like, is he, like, the Martin Luther of Smash? Is this going to cause, like, a... Is there going to be, like, uh, some divide here? No, between? I mean, it, it's a hackneyed comparison at this point, but he literally is the QAnon of Smash. 
Jewish. Yeah. Uh, not Martin Luther, unfortunately. Yeah, closer to Alex Jones than, than Martin Luther. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did kind of deserve... I, I mean, they... <laughs> right, because we don't play <laughs> children's party games. Right, right. They kind of deserve it, right? Yeah. Smash? Yeah, I mean, we, Smash we, you know. people? People who play Smash? Well, it's Melee players specifically. I mean, we here on the last video game podcast are, are Smash Ultimate players competitively uh, on uh, Wi-Fi. So. No, go for I'm, I'm a Kirby speak, main. Speak for yourself. I... Uh, I mainly just play like Call of Duty, you know, Madden. Yeah. I just kind of like to chill with some natty lights and you know play video games on the weekend. There we go. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, Jackson, did you play any video games recently? Like <laughs> 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 in the last week. Yeah, you could say no. No, you know what? I have. I've been obsessively playing the Binding of Isaac in between. Oh, I, I think your audio is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Am I Try on it again. or am I on? Am I am I fucked up? Uh, a sort of a little better. What's going on? Okay, there you we go. go. Try, yeah. try it now. Yeah, okay. see what happens. So I've been playing the Binding of Isaac pretty regularly over the last few months now, actually. And I find it is, uh, it's got a lot of similarities to Yume Nikki, actually. Which okay. Which is kind of fascinating. I didn't kind of expect that, but as I've continued to delve further, um, I, I, I honestly think The Binding of Isaac might just be Yume Nikki, but better. Very and yet also, also worse, in, in the sense that, like, I, I, so Yume Nikki... Part of its allure is that it's informed by the persona of the man who made it, who is this kind of enigmatic figure. He doesn't really have a, like a forward-facing persona at all. But the story he's telling is one of, you know, this child with whom ostensibly he has no legitimate relationship to, who nonetheless has this kind of, um, you know... Sadness. Kind of, well, sadness, like psychotrauma, that kind of thing, that we must understand, you know, Kikiyama as having some kind of relationship to, uh, but obviously it's, kind of, you know, it's a, it's a somewhat alienated relationship. I, I, this is a bit of a tangent from what was kind of a longer thought, but uh, have you played Lisa the First? Oh, yeah, like the, the Yume Nikki fan game? Yeah. Yeah. That shit is fucked up, like... Uh, it's kind of like what if you made Nikki was just done insensitively? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. It is very just like aggressively dark. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why anyone would ever want to like it. Does it does its stuff well? I guess you know it really does set a mood. But I, I just don't know why anyone would ever want that. Uh, well, that. But that's sorry. I think that's actually that that points to like the the tonal distinction between um, between Yumeniki and the Binding of Isaac, right? Because it's a it's a similar kind of thing where you have this fellow who has uh, well a much more prominent public persona uh, making a game about a child who he has no ostensible relationship to, but ostensibly has some sense of relationship to the psychotraumas of his main character uh, but 
the way in which he depicts those traumas is a lot less tasteful. I mean, it's frankly like it, it's it's very obtuse the way in which he's talking about these relationships to, uh, for, you know, people's negative experiences of uh, religious ideology and alienation in the face of uh, parental neglect, like the the, the engagement with both what's his name Edward like McMullen or whatever yeah yeah and, and like his audience and the, the game's relationship to its own themes is a lot more explicit a lot less subdued and it feels weirdly a lot less artful despite being significantly more game than Yume and Yuki and I feel like they both kind of say the same thing at the end of the day the thematic Kind of thrust of the binding of Isaac being that one can kind of ceaselessly engage the interior life, um, sort of to the detriment of everything else, which is, I think, the main kind of idea behind Yumeniki, too. But it, it, I, I kind of feel like Yumeniki really more than anything else is just a explorative game, right? It's just this idea of being able to get to know this kind of damaged individual and then seeing where that goes. I think that's definitely true, but there is, there is like, it's where that goes is really obviously negative. I think the same is essentially the point of The Binding of Isaac. And they're both motivated by an aggressive relationship to an isolated interior life. See, this is where, like, I really wish... I feel like Omori very much, like, eclipsed this at one point, uh, of really capturing this idea of alienation and uh, inner life, but it just fucking sliced it so hard. It just, you know, put the wrong kind of spin on the ball. What, where, uh, where in Omori do you think that it actually succeeds? I, I think, I mean, in that dimension, I, I think uh, just the, the, you know, welcome to white space, you've been here as long as you can. That imagery is very powerful, I, I think. You know, simple, but I think it's well done. The problem is it's not reinforced on any level at all in the game. You very clearly do not spend all your time there because you go around doing other shit all the time. That's the whole game. Yeah, you don't spend very much time in white space at all, actually spend a lot more time with the dream world and even in like the the real world right right you think omori was like a, a reworking of bob's game <laughs> i was i was thinking about bob's game the other day that game is just the story behind it. that's what it's called right the thing where the guy like lost his mind yeah that's the one i feel like omo oh so bob's game was a game <laughs> to be wait, released. Wait, what's the by... what's the quote? He has a really good quote of it. It's like I, a I... game that makes itself as you play it, or something. That's cool. Sorry, keep going. I it this before independent development had the kind of uh, allure that it does now, in the sense that like like there there weren't any like rock stars of independent development. Um, this guy independently developed a video game, mm -hmm. you know, self-titled, uh, mm -hmm. 
which is to say named after himself. Uh, he spent like Guy's eight years. Bob. Yeah, <laughs> dude's name is Bob. Okay. Let's just let's just spell it out there for you. Yeah, audience, yeah. Um, he. Here's uh, the thing: our audience is really stupid. So really, please, I mean, they listen yeah. to us, so they're yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> for the for the. For the people who don't know, Bob was a crazy man who had an obsessive relationship to the brand that is Nintendo. So he was convinced both of the kind of unique quality of this game that he'd been developing for eight years, and also of its need to be on a Nintendo console. And so he specifically, I thought, was it specifically the Nintendo DS? It was the DS. Yeah. Uh, so just before we go any further, I just want to give a quick pitch on Bob's game. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It, Bob's game is more than just a game. It is a living work of art. A decade-long art project that spans websites, consoles, videos, musics, books, alternate realities, and real-life events. It is a game within a game about the development of itself in real time, paralleled with a real-life tournament to coincide with the virtual. Bob's game blends the line between reality and simulation, and reality and extra-dimensional reality. It breaks both the so-called fourth wall, and further yet, the fifth wall, unlocking the secrets of the Matrix, or the womb, as it is referred to in some sections of the Bible. So it's just Pokemon. (laughs) I think there were elements of monster capturing, but I think the monsters were as much inside you as they were sort of realized in the external world. I think the, one of the working titles for Bob's game was uh, Legend of Zeldrug to kind of give you a sense of the maturity of the themes that it was <laughs> and the mature manner in which it was approaching them. So, uh, so what, what does this have to do with Omori? So I, at one point, I believe the developer uh, wanted to acquire a development kit for the Nintendo DS. Uh, yeah. As Jackson said, like it was really important to get the game on DS. And so it's he good console. tried really hard to get a development kit and then decided to protest by locking himself in a, in a van or in his room <laughs> his for room. 100 days until he got the development kit. Which he didn't get. Wow. Uh, he also went to Nintendo World and like filmed himself like putting, <laughs> actually, in a manner not dissimilar to Christian painting Sonic's arms blue. He went to Nintendo World and brought like copies, <laughs> he brought, like bootleg copies of Bob, Bob's game on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, rules. Yeah. And anyway, anyway. What this has to do with Omori is that it's almost certainly the case that uh, Bob's game simply is Omori, and Omori simply is Bob's game. It's my understanding that Omocat um, actually hired Bob uh, early on in the development uh, of uh, of Omori. And if you track the history of Omori's development, it coincides extremely well with Bob's disappearance from the public eye. Um, I think also the fact that it took so long to develop has a lot to do with the kind of sprite reworking of Bob's game to kind of more accurately fit uh, Omocat's aesthetic. I mean, that's just not... 
Okay, I'm gonna be the the voice of reason here. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, is that real? Because that sounds really ridiculous. Because I mean, this person, um, Bob from Bob's game, doesn't doesn't seem like a a real person. Oh, he's a real man. And he's real. Yeah, but I don't I don't think. Like how would how would someone even even find him and be like, hey, do you want to turn your video game into Omori? And then I don't I listen. I don't know Bob personally, but he doesn't seem like the, the kind of guy who would give up on on his game and make and make something like Omori. I, I consider kind of the thought that you were gonna take. No, just consider consider like the focus of Omori. You know, it's it's about uh, you know moving beyond or attempting to move beyond. Kind of hysterical traumas. Yeah, I think so. Being haunted by like a traumatic past and whether or not you're kind of like responsible for it. Like that. I, I think Bob took his experience and sort of artistically infused it into this narrative about, uh, you know, accidentally feeling immense guilt about it for years to the uh, point whoa, where you, spoilers that. I don't know if we're yeah, I guess that's fine yeah. it's, who I'll, cares? I'll put the warning in I, like do people do people truly play video games for the story I mean my impression is that yeah. what other reason would you play it? Omori that other than for the video game well that that was I mean sorry for the story well, yeah. I, I, yeah I don't want to move on to dissing Omori I kinda, I'm, I'm really so like okay so how did you come up with how did you find out that somebody else had come up with this theory? Because I'm assuming this isn't your own theory. This is my own theory. This is 100%. Okay, how did you come up with this? <laughs> um, I just think the facts all sort of blatantly point to it. I uh, is this a bit? I don't know if this. Is so the the angle that I was thinking of taking is that Bob's game is a more Fuck. profound and interesting <laughs> reflection on loneliness and alienation than Amori is. Uh, yeah, because That's I think that's point. Yeah, uh, because it's, like, it's like a game. real story, right? Of of loneliness and isolation and and mental illness, right? Bob's well, game is that. Just the yeah, the story of, of the development is much more interesting than anything that happens in Amori. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree because this is this is fascinating, and also I don't have to go through twenty hours of bad JRPG gameplay to get to it. So I just read a Wikipedia article. I mean, it's very much a never be game over situation in the sense that the game, so to speak, is your relationship to the persona of Bob as his internet figure. So in a sense, Bob's game really is probably better than Yumeniki, Mori, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. I. Just clearly more articulate kind of, you know, reworking well, of the same ideas. I, I just really think like if you guys, uh, any of you listeners want a fun time, just look up the Bob's, Bob's Game uh, Kickstarter page. It has some of the most compelling copy you'll read in a, almost anywhere. Uh, Bob's Game Patreon too. actually alters reality itself for those who play it. It is a key into another dimension. Yeah, I mean, isn't that like all all media, right? Like all media changes, or all good media, like it somehow changes your per perceptions of the real world. Um, so that's not even that crazy of a plan. I don't know. I think video games are uniquely situated to be completely, completely empty. Um, I think they might be actually some of the most uh, life-denying things possibly devised. 
But Bob's game sounds like perhaps not. Yeah. So do you think video games are just like the the dopamine hit and that's it? Uh, I think video games straddle the line between uh, sort of you know Brechtian analysis of culture through forms and um, kind of Rand Corp military strategy and visions of the world writ through So as mechanics. someone who understands what you just said, yeah, are video games more evil than TV? Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Honestly, probably yes. I mean, they're e they're either they're either more they're certainly more affecting than television in a way that is. Wait, like, but why are they evil? Because <laughs> they're a Brechtian analysis of forms, dude. We're no, 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 no. But like, no, but stop. But use use like words. Okay, so <laughs> okay, um. <laughs> I don't think Brecht is evil. Oh, I, I think you're cutting out. Try again. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Brecht is evil. Brecht right. is Brecht is not evil. You have to rewind like 15 seconds and just yeah. go from there. Am I still Am I still cutting out? There you're we right go. Now. You're back. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think Brecht. Breath? Like <laughs> Thank breathing? you for, for clarifying that. I, I, I think some of our listeners are probably pretty concerned about that. I, uh, no, I'm I, lost. Streamo, you, you said that the, the, the evil component was... Uh, oh, the Brechtian know, analysis. It was the Brechtian analysis. I think it, that what is evil about it is that it is taking these, like, you know, military simulations and kind of... I mean, it is probably, as you say, more about the dopamine shit, you know these, you know, complex toys installed on what are basically complex filing cabinets. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like an inherently a, a bad thing, right? I mean, recreation isn't, isn't bad. No, I don't think recreation is bad, but I do think there's definitely something kind of like onanistic and empty about most of them uh, as like objects. Have you ever heard the saying 90% of everything is shit? Yeah, it so just sounds curious. like you play bad games. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, because my favorite game is Metal Gear Solid. Like, I don't think there's, that's true. <laughs> I think that's a real, like, stand, objective standard. Um, both right. Um, yeah, another thing to be like the Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim or Out of the Park Baseball Twenty Twenty Two. All right, so I, I'm gonna go ahead and interject with a backlog review of the week. Uh, oh okay. I, I, Wait, I no, we, I'm not done. I, I, okay, oh, I guess we could stop. No, go, no, go we, ahead. We yeah. should stop. No. Okay. No. Uh, so this. this review, I guess I will not name who it's from because that's bullying or something. Uh, no, you but, can. Okay, so this is by Rom Seven, and it's about yeah. it's a review of Binding of Isaac: Repentance. Okay. Uh, Rom Seven has a chug jug with you uh, avatar. <laughs> oh, uh, cool, I like this guy. Great song. Uh, the amount of the content this expansion brings to the game is massive. I'm talking your mom kind of massive. <laughs> a fuck ton of bosses, enemies, and new items, two new routes with their respective final bosses, endings yeah. and floors, two new characters, 17 alternate versions of all of them, 17, yeah. and new music <laughs> yeah. tracks. The new hard mode also makes the game actually hard. 
The only downside I can think of is that they nerfed a lot of great items, which makes picking them up not that interesting anymore, but you eventually forget about it in the great scheme of things. It's fun as fuck, and a must-get if you are a fan of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's an itemized list of why he likes it. I mean, there are 17 new pieces of content. I threw 17. a like his way. I tell you what, though, if you are a fan of the game already, I feel like you probably would have bought it already. So, not a very helpful review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that's, that just seems like a 14-year-old wrote that. It's like, dude, there's so much. <laughs> Your mom tried to mess. No, that was funny. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of going back to the video games or evil thing, right? And it's that person is listing this... this work of art as a commodity to be broken out into pieces of content which you can consume. Right. I mean, yeah. It, honestly, I don't necessarily think video games are evil as much as I think that the way in which we commoditize and consume culture is kind of evil. The way that video games become yeah. a, uh, a, a list to keep track of the things that you've accomplished uh, so that you can have one more bigger number on your uh, play list. Uh, well, this is, this is interesting because you guys are playing into that through this, like, through the fact of, you know, attempting to bring some attention to Backlog. I don't know if you're, like, making fun of this site or, or, or engaging with it seriously. It's fascinating. No, Backlog is, is amazing. Um, but, like, I guess my question would then be, like, how do you how do you approach games in a way that doesn't kind of ultimately commoditize them? You know, how, how do you sincerely engage with something outside of that, uh, outside of that mode? Um. Yeah, okay. So when I when I play a video game, right, I am concerned with having fun, um, primarily. Uh so I've been playing through Celestic Crown of the Magister, which is I think a bad video game. But <laughs> it's fun. You know, I'm having a, I'm having a good time and it doesn't need to be anything more than that. Um and I don't I also don't feel the need to like go through every single video game and play them all and determine which one is the most fun. I'm I'm pretty content just playing something and having fun with it. I I kind of look at video games uh, for a unique experience uh, or for something enjoyable. Uh, I think part of what yeah. makes uh, part of why we were uh, very skeptical of your take on a short hike is because regardless of the merits of the you know underlying message of the game or whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a good toy. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that's fun. What I play with it for a couple sounds. hours. Yeah, yeah, you pick it up, you get to fly around a little bit. Honestly, my, my take on it was that somebody played Breath of the Wild and was like, I should make a game out of the gliding mechanic. And then just kind yeah. of did that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I you know, I, I don't think every every work of art needs to exist in the grand, grander like scheme of what it means to be alive. Um, I think some well. it's okay to just like consume something and let it go. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Death Stranding would have been as good had it just been about you know delivering packages. Well, no, I mean some things some things definitely can um, be be bigger than that. But I mean, if someone wants to make something that's just like stupid and fun, like yeah, I'm I'm on board for that. Uh, but on that note, uh, definitely plugging uh, official video last video game podcast plug uh, get No More Heroes 3 uh, when it comes out in August uh, pick up uh, the Silver Case 2425 when it comes out uh, in early July 
uh, spectacular um, games. Can you tell me why uh, No More Heroes Travis Strikes Again No More Heroes Complete Edition is not part of the Steam Summer Sale? Can you answer uh, that? Yes, I can, because uh, the video game development scene in uh, uh, Japan is not a huge fan of PCs, as I understand. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're, you know, giving themselves, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. Uh, Follow-up question, when will it be on sale? Uh, probably never. Uh, you should buy it now. It's $40, dude. It is $40. Yeah, it's worth it, though. It's so much fun. Why is it saying it's similar to Warhammer Vermintide 2? Uh, because Steam Store is very poorly done. Uh, yeah, it's also saying it's similar to Nier. Yeah, I was saying that. Apparently it's similar to Grand Theft Auto 5. So that's cool. Because they're both video games. They're both action-violent games with comedy. <laughs> Those are some tags. Do you think it's a comedy game? Did you oh, absolutely! Play Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes Complete Edition. I actually did, unironically. Yes, uh, there are very funny parts. Uh, Probably not as funny as Disco Elysium. Uh, it is funnier than Disco Elysium. I'll say that now. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, Jackson, have you played Disco Elysium? Yeah, it game rocks. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, it does. <laughs> Do you know Stream Mode doesn't like it? Like he actually hates it. He played well, like two hours and hated it. I heard you were not fond of its, uh, like, writing. I, so I played like several hours of it, and I was like, this game isn't for me. Uh, you know, then I kind of moved on from it. And then since then, I've been told by a number of people that it is absolutely for me. I would love it, it and it'd be a ton I mean, of fun. It's insane. Like, yeah. It's insane that yeah, you si don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So since then, I've just been kind of more and more resenting the game and the discourse around it. Uh, and I might end up doing a spite playthrough of it uh, just to kind of vindicate myself. But yeah, I hope I don't, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you do like the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it, and you're... See, the thing is, people talk a lot been... about how the game has great prose or great writing, and, and I, I legitimately do not understand what that means in the context of a video game. What is good writing for a video game? It, it, it's... It's a very, it's, it's, no, it's not. No, it's, I don't think the prose is what, sorry to be sincere about this, I don't, I don't think, um, the, the prose is what people are focusing on when they say it. Is I, I have unironically seen people say that Disco Elysium yeah, well, has ignore them. Prose, don't argue with those that people. That is something that, like, prose is real. Out. It's the it's stupidest the shit ever. It's, the prose is not what does it. I think the fact of it's like, I, when you're talking about games, it's like, the, the quality of a game is determined, like, by its, by its form, right? So it's like, <laughs> it's like dialogue trees and shit, as much as it is about, like, you know, the content of people's speech. But that cannot, <laughs> you know, that doesn't just mean, like, florid prose, so much as it means, like, apt uh, and appropriate language for a setting. I, you know, and honestly, it, it might even just be something as simple as I don't like the way that you have to navigate through the world. I don't like having to click, click navigation. Uh, you can play with the, with the controller. Can you? I think it's coming out on Switch too. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I might get it for Switch. Are you gonna get uh, Outer Wild when it comes out on Switch, Jackson? Oh hell yeah. I, I haven't played it, but I'm like I've it's, wanted to. It's a spectacular game. game. Yeah. What about Out of the Park Baseball, <clears throat> 2022? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I took an expansion team 
you know, it's the game starts in 2021, um, and I edited the league to have uh, two expansion teams, one in the American League and one in the National League. <coughs> and I became the general manager of the American League team, and uh, we won the we won the World Series actually in 2025. So that's that's you know pretty good to go from expansion team to win the World Series in five years. You don't really wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I you don't it, see that. Yeah. I did good. I did good trades. Um, I signed uh, Alex. Uh, <coughs> so Alex Bregman was a free agent going into 2024. So I, um, I signed him to because we had a, we had a whole you know we didn't really have a a, a power right-handed bat. So I signed him to a, a, a six-year deal for 28 million a year. Uh, and he sort of really holed up the uh, the three and four slots in our offense because you know I traded for uh, for Tristan Costas early on, but he wasn't really young. So Jackson, you know, do you have just, any uh, closing thoughts on video games? <laughs> uh, you made Nikki, uh, Dark Souls, etc. Uh, I, I truly don't. I was actually completely enamored with the baseball talk. <laughs> oh, I, I can keep going if you want. <laughs> I, whatever works. I'm that <laughs> whatever works. <clears throat> so, all right, um, well, that's all from us here at the Last Video Game Podcast. Uh, please access the Patreon yeah. link that we have so easily accessible and give us money. So the, the issue was is Tristan Costas was striking out too much. You know, he wasn't putting the ball in play. He had a, uh, <clears throat> a 282 LBP in 2024. I mean, he was hitting for power. Not great defensively at first base.